Thank you, Pastor Susie. Come on, stand to your feet. We've got to work off some of this awesome food. All right. Anyone for star jumps? All right. How about some... Oh, yeah, fist pump. Okay. What I want you to do is turn to your... Turn that way. Reach out and just begin to massage the shoulders and neck muscles of the people in front of you. Yes, let's bridge the gap of the aisle. Come on, that lady on the end. She needs the massage love. Now that's what we need, right? How's your masseuse doing? Is she doing a good job? Nice. Oh, look at this. Thank you. So, Oh, that is what I needed. This is what I need. Thank you. All right, now we're going to about face. Turn around. Now we're going to share the love. Thank you, my friend. Sorry, you get the one-handed massage. There we go. Been working hard in the kitchen, keeping those boys in line. I know cold hands, warm heart. I think that's the way it goes. All right, ladies. Now just give her a fist pump, high five. Tell her she is awesome. Oh, there's some massage still happening. They just can't let it go. It does feel good. All right. Oh, my gosh, it's gone quick, right? It's like getting on this conveyor belt, and here we are, last session. Amazing. Thank you, Pastor Susie. Thank you so much for your generosity and the extravagance of your heart and your love and your exuberant spirit. And come on, team, let's just, or ladies, I'll join the team. Let's welcome Pastor, I mean, thank Pastor Susie. You know, there is such a freshness about what God is doing here, and it is indeed a new day and I just want to take a moment just to pray with some people in particular there was a gorgeous girl and do you know what maybe she's not here right now but Chloe are you here give me a wave she's not here she's working all right is her mum here or she just walked out I'm not having much luck right all right well we'll put that on pause Okay, there was a gorgeous girl taking a picture in front of the You Are God's masterpiece, and she did it with such exuberance. Where are you? I want to pray with you. Ah, she was having the picture taken of with the arms raised. Katrina, come on, let's welcome Katrina up. Karina. It's lovely to meet you. Just lift your hands to heaven facing me. Either way is good, but I get to see your beautiful face this way. Lord, I thank you for this incredible woman. I thank you for the call of God that is upon her life. And God, that even before she was born, that you did set her apart and you have anointed her. And her voice, just like the prophet Jeremiah, will be a voice that delivers your message, not only to the people in her own nation, but Lord, to the people around the world, that she is a voice that kings and kingdoms will listen to. Lord, that her voice of influence will be an influence not only amongst her peers and her generation, but she will also speak to 
the generations above and the generations beneath, that her voice will um, break hold of strongholds, her voice will um, be a voice of reconciliation. And I see God has brought you into a time of preparation, and the time of preparation will seem like long, like it's extended, but actually when you reflect, you will see that that season of preparation is short. God has called you into a very long and very effective ministry. You will not stop ministering until you step into heaven. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. And so savor every moment of this time of preparation. God has got a very strategic placement for you that is long-term and full-time. But right now, this is where you are supposed to be. I see you investing into your relationship with God. I see you investing into his word and and his call upon your life. And I see that the words um, from Isaiah 41, that I took you from the ends of the earth. I called you from its furthest corners. I said that you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not rejected you. So do not fear because I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sweetheart, you need to know that it is the righteous right hand of God himself who is supporting you, who is sustaining you, who is calling you to this. It's never been the call of man, it's the call of God. It's not the opinions of people that started this and they cannot stop it either. God is going to provide for you, he's going to open doors for you and he's going to establish a platform for you to minister from that will enable you to speak and to minister around the world. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your anointing upon this gorgeous woman's life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Bless you. Bless you. There's a gorgeous woman here with a black leather jacket, and you've got like a brown sweater. That's you. Can I pray with you? I really don't mean to embarrass anyone asking you to come forward, but is this okay? What's your name? Tina. Come on, let's welcome Tina. What a great lady you are. There's a spirit of exhortation upon your life. It's a spirit of breakthrough. It's a spirit of encouragement. And some people have thought that it's, oh, just not a big deal. Even you have thought that. Encouragement is a core value of the Spirit of God. It's the deliverance of courage. It's the ability to see beyond what you can see in the natural into the purpose of God and the way that He sees. God has given you a divine perspective and an ability to call those things that are not yet seen into existence. Every time you encourage, and even when it's just with that gorgeous smile and that engagement that you have with people that makes them feel loved, worthy, and special. You are calling forth life from um, dark places. You are calling dry bones to life. I want you just to lift your hands right now because I see that um, scripture in the valley of dry bones and sometimes for a season it's felt like you were walking through that valley of dry bones where you've looked around and all you've seen, it's been like corpses. Is anyone alive? But you're kicking the dust. And God is wanting you to 
remember that incredible power and authority he's given you with the power of your voice and that spirit of exhortation that has anointed every word. And you will call forth life into dry bones and those skeletons and those bones will rise up and you will see flesh restored. You will see the breath of God come into them and their spirits returned and you will see what was once a dry, desolate place actually flourishing and becoming a place of overflow and abundance because you chose to believe God deliver his report and not be intimidated by the fear of man. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now for your anointing upon this woman's life, protection for her heart. Thank you that her voice is anointed and it shall accomplish the purpose that you set for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus some more praise. You know, um, The scripture that I have on my heart for this afternoon is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 18 and verse, sorry, chapter 1, verses 19 through to 21. And this is what it says. It says, I pray that your hearts will um, be flooded with light, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those of us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he, who? Jesus. Now Jesus is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. This is incredible. The incredible greatness of God's power that is available to everyone who, what? Believes. You know, our ability to access the incredible greatness of God's power, the very same mighty power that raised Christ from the the dead, it has nothing to do with our intellect. It has nothing to do with what we can understand or what our mind can comprehend. It is far above and beyond anything that could ever fit and be contained within a human mind or human intellect. It is available to those of us who simply believe. You know, Christ has done all of the heavy lifting for us. He's made it so easy for us to access the incredible greatness of his power All we need to do is what? Believe. Come on, say it with me. I believe Jesus. I believe he is who he says he is. And that he can do what he says he will do. You ladies are amazing. You're unstoppable. There are no limits to what God can do in and through your lives. And I know that there will be stories that are going to resonate coming back from what Christ has done in you. Extraordinary, remarkable, above and beyond stories that come from what God is doing amongst the women in this house. And all we need to do is take Christ at his word and believe him. You know, our ability to access God's power is nothing to do with anything else other than believing him. So my question as we are in our final session today is what do you believe? Not what what does your head understand, but what does your heart believe? 
This is important. This is the way that we shift into faith. This is how we access God's power. It's through what we believe. Has anyone realized that our behavior and our responses, they are not determined by logic? Has anyone like lived long enough and just made observations of other people and ourselves to realize we are not reasonable creatures, even though we try and present ourselves in that way? That human behavior isn't really coming down to logic. It's actually more of what's going on in our heart, right? Those belief systems. Anyone who's looked at what people post on Facebook and Instagram realize, you know what, we're not rational. That is not logical. Anyone here and you're a school teacher or work in childcare, just give me a little wave. How many of you know that the behavior of parents is not reasonable, right? My sister, one of them's a school teacher, like she's a special ed teacher. The other one is a school principal. And I hear them talking all the time, you know, like about mothers and how they're these incredible professional people and so together until it comes to their child, right? Then logic and reason and rationality go out the window. Does that resonate with anyone? It's, we're not motivated by logic and reason when it comes to our kids. See, what motivates us and determines our choices comes down to our belief systems. Mel, could I borrow your phone? Or, yeah. What would I do without you, Mel? See, this is a smartphone. Give me a little wave if you've got a smartphone. This is a Samsung. Maybe you have an iPhone. Just hold your phone up in the air. Come on, let's show them off. Look at all. Everyone has got one of these things. Wave it around like you just don't care. Look, do you remember life? Does anyone remember life before one of these things? <laughs> Mel and I had this conversation yesterday. What would you prefer to like leave home without your wallet or without your phone? And we were thinking, oh my gosh, actually I'd be without my wallet before I'd be without my phone. Like how did that happen? You feel like you've lost an arm. These things are incredibly powerful, right? Amazing tools for connection and communication. We can use them for financial and business purposes. We can listen to music. We can record and watch movies. We can um, do incredible things. How many people know that we do not have to understand the technology that enables this phone to work in order to access its power. Yes. All we have to do is take the manufacturer at his word or her word and, and just use it. Treat it the way they say to treat it, treat it and then we'll get the demonstration of the power. Okay, but just say I am like, hey, I'm nobody's fool. You cannot tell me that this little gadget with a screen is, uh, is able to play music. Like what, you think I'm an idiot that there's a little band made up of ants fitting inside this thing? Like how is that possible? How can you film a movie on this thing? How is it possible to talk to someone in another country? I don't believe you, don't believe you. I'm just gonna apply my logic and this Little device seems quite heavy for its size, so by applying my logic, I think, you know what, this is a paperweight. So I am just gonna use it as a paperweight. And that phone would just sit there. I'm not hearing music come out. I'm not 
connecting with anyone on social media. I'm not doing any business on this thing. All it's doing is sitting there. I am not seeing any demonstration of power at all. Do those same abilities still exist in that phone? Yeah. It's just that what I believe about that phone has influenced the way that I behave toward it and my behaviours meant that I haven't seen any demonstration of its power. And then Mel walks up and she recognises this is an awesome Samsung phone. This is incredible. She starts listening to music, talking to her friends, taking pictures of her meals, posting them on Instagram, getting likes and realising this phone is awesome. The incredible awesomeness of its power is demonstrated. It is the same phone, right? But two different belief systems in operation have influenced or brought about a completely different demonstration of its power. You know, the Bible talks about this in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. There's a story in verse 58 where Jesus returns to his hometown. And the people that Jesus grew up with, they believe that he is a paperweight. They look at him and they see the scrappy carpenter kid from down the road. The kid, you know, his first table was a bit lopsided. All the drinks would slide off it. The first bookshelf he constructed, a little bit wonky and unstable. And it says because of their belief systems, he did no miracles there. Why? Because of what they believed. Incredible. Hey, see, this is the very same Jesus who came to Peter walking on the water, who defied science and physics did what was impossible. This is the very same Christ who called Lazarus out of the tomb. Lazarus had been dead for three days and Jesus calls out to him, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Come on. We've still got fun to have. There's still good times to be had. Lazarus, come on. Come out of the tomb. After three days, you would expect Lazarus to be a bit like a zombie, right? A bit like a corpse, a bit stinky and and gross. But Jesus called him out. He wasn't the zombie version of Lazarus. He was the living, alive, restored, back to life Lazarus. The same Jesus that called the dead to life was present in that town. The same Jesus who calls demons to flee and all oppression to leave people. The same Christ who broke the power of shame, who opened blind eyes, caused the deaf to hear, the lame walk, whose sickness fled. It's the very same Jesus. Yet, there was no demonstration of his power. Why? Because a belief system operating in that town had completely undermined the power of the miraculous and robbed those people of their breakthrough. Ladies, this is important. What does your heart believe? Even when it doesn't make sense in your head, the most important thing is what does your heart 
believe about Jesus. Because you know what? Jesus is not a paperweight. He's not even an iPhone or a Samsung. (laughs) Come on, it's Jesus that we're talking about. He's amazing. Let's just shift out of our problems and out of our circumstances for just a moment and consider who is God. Come on, ladies, who is God? He is without rival. He's the one whose voice called forth the universe into existence. His hands placed the stars in the heavens, put the planets into orbit. The same God who spoke life into our bodies. Who is he? Shift out of our problems for a second and just work out. What do we believe about this God? This God who sent his only son to bring restoration. What do we believe about him? This is important because we're going back out there into real life, into situations that defy our logic, that we have no comprehension of where the answer is going to come from. But just because our heads cannot understand the why, when, and how of Christ is going to bring us a miracle, it does not mean he cannot do it. Come on, it doesn't mean, just because we don't understand it doesn't mean he can't do it. The most important question, ladies, is what does our heart believe? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about yourself? Are you seeing yourself out of the belief system of heaven? Or do we still have some shifting to do out of those old ways of thinking and believing? Come on, this is important. There are families at stake here. There are marriages at stake. This is important. Beautiful, precious hearts of ladies at stake. God loves you so much. He sees you. He's got a great plan for your life. And just because we can't always understand it doesn't mean that he can't do it. We will just allow our hearts to believe him. See, one of the versions of this scripture, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light and that God's purpose will be illuminated. You know, our hearts become flooded with light. Understanding comes when we understand the heart of God toward us, when we actually understand his motive. That's like a key that understands and, I mean, unlocks understanding in our own heart. I want to tell you just a little story. It's another one about my husband. I haven't seen him for a while, but so just go with me. But um, I met him 19 years ago, and it was kind of a setup, actually. I had been, I was living in Sydney, and my sister and brother-in-law were living in Auckland, New Zealand, and Andrew was living in Christchurch, New Zealand. And my sister and brother-in-law were youth pastors and I had gone to New Zealand to have Christmas with them. And my brother-in-law had organized this youth camp and he, he had invited as a guest speaker, this guy, Andrew Kabbalah. And so on the day that he arrived, my brother-in-law was like, <laughs> I'm sick, can you go pick the guest speaker up from the airport? So I arrived at the airport and Andrew and I had corresponded a few times through email just in a weird way, like, but there was nothing. We kind of knew of each other, but we'd never actually met. 
And I was sitting at the airport just waiting, reading a book, and this man came up to me and said, introduced himself as Andrew, and he leaned in and he tried to kiss me. It's like, hey, back off. You know, we're just meeting. I'll shake your hand. Strange kissing man. That's a bit forward. <laughs> From the beginning, he just went out of his way to open doors and he would pay for everything and he would pull out chairs if I was going to sit down. And I remember thinking, what is it with this guy? Like, why? What is it about my physical appearance that's causing him to think I have some kind of deficiency financially or physical impairment that I need all this stuff done for me. Like, why is he doing this? I had arranged to go traveling around the North Island of New Zealand with some of my friends. And before I even realized what had happened, Andrew had invited himself to come. He was supposed to be speaking at my brother-in-law's youth camp. That was the reason he'd flown to Auckland. But now he's somehow got out of the youth camp and he's coming traveling with me. Like, how did that happen? This is not making sense. We were traveling around the Coromandel and we um, had booked in to stay at a youth hostel. Has anyone stayed at a youth hostel in like the dorm and it's a bit communal? So we walk into this hostel room with all these bunks and Andrew looked a bit uncomfortable. And then he kind of left and came back and said, oh, Janine, you know, I didn't feel comfortable sharing a room with you and I really didn't want you to share a room with other guys either. So um, I've booked you your own dorm room and took me to my own dorm room and just left me there, me and 12 unoccupied triple-layer bunk beds. <laughs> and I felt strangely affirmed but also a little bit lonely, just me and all those bunk beds. And I remember thinking... What is going on here? We all went driving to the beach and there was a cafe there and um, Andrew said to me, are you hungry? Would you like something to eat? And I said, no, I am not hungry. I was very clear. Andrew went out and immediately bought me back a sandwich. He would have done great on that team out back, the back in the kitchen. And I remember thinking, what is going on? I said, I'm not hungry. And I was sitting down on this seat and there were heaps of seats everywhere, but Andrew came and sat right next to me, just a little bit too close. And I thought, line crossed. What is with this? And I remember saying to God, what is the deal with this guy? Like, what's going on? Because see, I'd done the math in my head. I knew who I was. I knew the way that I was behaving. I knew what I felt like I deserved how I was treating Andrew but the way that he continually responded to me it just didn't add up he was treating me in this way that just didn't make sense and I said God what's the deal with this guy and the spirit of God spoke to me so clearly and said Janine just let him love you and I was like oh okay my heart was flooded with light. There was an illumination that took place, an understanding, like suddenly all of this nonsensical, unreasonable, irrational behavior was starting to make sense. Okay, I get what was with the chivalry and the attentiveness. I understand. You know, that moment really changed everything. See, I often still look at Andrew bewildered with a 
furrow in my brow, thinking, what is the deal with you? I don't understand why you're so nice to me after 18 years of living with me. I don't understand why you love me so much. There is no satisfactory explanation I can come up with for why my husband treats me so wonderfully and loves me so much. I do not get it. The way that he looks at me and the things that he does for me will remain this mathematical equation that just doesn't add up, doesn't make sense to my head, but my heart believes. See, that moment where the Spirit of God spoke to me, Janine, let him love you. I believed God, I believed, okay. And it just changed the way that I saw and responded to Andrew in that moment. Suddenly, all the guardedness went down and my eyes were opened. A pair of rose-colored glasses descended from the heavens and <laughs> I cha- changed the way I saw him. I went from seeing him in a, I like you in an I could take you or leave you kind of way to a, I like you in a, I don't think I could live without you kind of way. And if your hand touches mine, I might pass out. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do you know, we got married just a short time after that. And you know, the same is true with our relationship with God. That understanding of who God is and his motive toward us, it's the key that unlocks understanding in our heart. God loves us. From beginning to end, more than anything else, this is a a love story. It's the greatest love story of all time. The love of God for mankind. God's love for us does not make sense. It is not reasonable. It cannot be understood intellectually. It will forever remain. The mathematical equation that does not add up. We can get so caught up in our head trying to understand it, but God is saying, you know what? All you need to do is to believe. Because when we believe that God loves us, that he truly loves us, that he is committed to us and to our best interest, it's only then that we can see and understand, trust him with his purpose and his process in our life and see the incredible greatness of his power, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead at work in and through our lives. Come on, give Jesus some praise. Give God some praise. He's amazing. There's something so much more powerful than human intellect and logic. Forever will remain God's love for us. It doesn't change. It doesn't end. It will never fail. My question to you, friends, as we leave each other today is, what do you believe? What do you believe about God? In your heart, do you still believe that he's that school principal with a whole bunch of rules and he's disappointed in those expectations that you can never live up to? Is he the angry policeman who's always looking to find fault with you? Is he that absent parent who just was never involved or not interested? Is he just insignificant to you? When you think about the magnitude of your problem and the things that you're dealing with, is 
God dwarfed into insignificant in comparison to those things? What do you believe about God? This is so important, ladies. If I can have someone on keys, that would really help me. Because you know, when Jesus had the ability to speak very specifically into who God is, when he had the opportunity to just talk about who his father in heaven was, he told three parables in the book of Luke chapter 15. The first is the parable of the lost sheep. And the second is the parable of the lost coin. Give me a wave if you know these stories. So we won't spend a lot of time here. But the lost sheep, there's a shepherd. He's got 100 sheep. One goes missing. He is inconsolable. The remaining 99 are no consolation for the one that's gone missing. So he leaves 99 sheep and he goes out on a hunt for that one. The 99 are now left unattended. You know, you do not need a degree in economics to know that from an investment or a business, even like a farming point of view, the greatest return on investment, well, that's got to be from looking after, it's got to be with that 99, right? Then that one sheep. Yet this shepherd's going out in pursuit, relentless, until it finds the one that's gone missing. The second parable is the parable of the lost coin, 10 coins of equal value. One of them is lost. Yet that woman, again, inconsolable, does not give up. So focused, she forgets about the nine remaining and she is intent on this other one coin. You don't need to be a mathematician to know that nine is of greater value than one, right? See, these parables are not logical. These parables are not reasonable in accordance with our human mind and our human understanding. They don't make sense until Jesus tells the third parable. And when he begins this parable, he says, because they weren't understanding yet and because he wanted them to truly believe who God was, he told this parable. And the parable is the parable of the prodigal son. See, this is the key. This is the motive. Those other parables, they do not make sense until you understand the heart of God, that he is not motivated by economics. He's not motivated by money. He's not motivated by culture or tradition or the opinions of other people. God is not motivated by self-interest. He is the father of a prodigal son. He's a good dad. His motive is love in its most pure form. It's only when we see God through that understanding that our hearts can be illuminated. See, in this story, a young boy says to his dad, essentially, I wish you were dead. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I just want your money. If you're not going to hurry up and die, then settle your estate and hand over to me what is mine so I can go and live my life without you. Even now, that would be a horrific offense to a parent. But in that culture, that was abominable. That was beyond, that child was beyond dead to the father in terms of his culture. He goes out, he squanders the money, he makes a fool of himself. But he knows enough about his father's character to know that, you know what, even though I've messed up completely, I trust that my dad would treat me like a servant now. That's as good as I can get. See, it says in Luke 15, 
chapter 20, that the son began to return home and that he was a long way off, not only geographically, but culturally. He was dead to his father. The destruction of his behavior and the things that he had done was a a distance he could not bridge in his own capacity. He could not reconcile himself to his father. There was no way he could overcome the devastation that he had caused. But look at what this says. It says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. Every centimeter of the impossible distance caused by the son's bad behavior was bridged and covered and completely made up for by the love of his father. There was nothing that his father's love could not overcome. In one moment, he was restored in relationship, not as a servant, but as a son. You know, in Cambodia, a few years ago, we were in the village and I mentioned how we were doing healing crusades and there's so much sickness and there's no medicine and the influence of demonic spirits and witch witch doctors, it's heartbreaking. We'd organized these healing events and, you know, Jesus has become famous there as the healer because he heals for free. There's no cost and You know, a lot of these things that the witch doctors do to people, like they make them cut themselves and they get infected and they, it's just horrible. And so Jesus is famous as this God who just heals freely and without any kind of pain involved. This woman had been brought to the healing meeting. She traveled for over three days. She'd been carried on a chair, just like this one, although not so fancy, a lot more banged up. She'd had polio as a little girl. One of her legs was longer than the other leg. Her feet were completely turned out from each other. There was no way that she could walk. Like just looking at her from a physical point of view, if she, there was no way she could stand. And she was sitting here on this chair, carried in by her son, legs one way and the other way, longer and shorter. And she was in so much pain, you could see it on her face. And I heard God say to me, Janine, I'm going to heal her. She is going to walk out of that chair. So as soon as we began praying for people, I went straight to her. And I bent down and I began to pray. She had inflamed joints, different length legs, distorted limbs. And I am praying and declaring scripture and speaking in faith the purpose of God and waiting waiting for the inflammation to go from her joints, waiting for one leg to lengthen, waiting for the distortion to go out of her limbs, but I'm not seeing anything. Five minutes have passed. And I looked up at this crowd, this immense crowd of people and their needs, and it was overwhelming. And I thought, I can't stay here praying for this one woman. I'm going to have to call in the big guns. I'm going to have to go get my husband. So I got Andrew and I said, honey, God said that he was going to heal this woman, but I've been praying for her for five minutes and nothing's happened. Do you know, Andrew didn't even hesitate. He walked straight over to that woman and he said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And he lifted her or pulled her out of the chair and she stumbled 
one leg's longer than the other. This short leg just wasn't there to catch her. her. Her feet are going out. Her limbs are still inflamed. The joints are still inflamed. But as she began to fall, that shortened leg began to lengthen and the leg, foot turning that way began to turn this way and the other one going that way was corrected and came that way and the inflammation started to leave her body and before I even realized what was happening, oh, come on, ladies, the most incredible creative miracle was happening before my very eyes. She began to walk pain-free and unrestricted. Everybody's cheering. In Cambodia, they were way more excited than you are, ladies, let me tell you. (laughs) Do you know, everyone was excited but me. I was just annoyed. I was like, honey, you just stole my miracle. I'm the one who prayed. I'm the one who heard from God. But, you know, I had been there waiting for my logic to be satisfied. But while... I was sitting there waiting for my logic to be satisfied to what I thought would be reasonable for her to be able to walk. God was saying no. See, there was a power at work that was so much greater than logic, reason, pain, the years of abuse and torment and torture, any demonic spirit that woman had ever faced. And that power was the power of Christ, of God's love for her. See, while she was a long way off, while she was still in pain, while one leg was still longer than the other, while one foot was still turning out the other way, while she was an impossible distance off, the father saw her and he ran. And every centimeter of the impossible different distance between that woman's pain and her healing was covered in just a moment by the enormity of God's love for his girl. You know, I shared my testimony last night. At the age of almost 25 years, I was so bound and tormented, I could hardly leave my house, medicated for depression, full of anxiety, afraid, not in church, involved in wrong relationships. I'd done everything wrong to the point of giving my heart to the devil didn't know what to do. But in one moment, I called out to Jesus. It was impossible in my own strength to bridge the distance between me and God. It was impossible in my own strength to come to overcome all of the destruction that the bad choices in my life had made. But while I was still a long way off, alone in my room, giving my heart to the devil, The father saw me and he ran. All it took was one moment of saying, of turning and saying, Jesus, I acknowledge you. My sin, my sickness, that oppression, every satanic device destroyed in one moment because there is a power at work that is infinitely and eternally greater than the power of our sin, than the power of our bad choices than the power of sickness, than the power of pain, than the power of the devil. Not even Satan himself was a barrier between me and God's love, God's love and me. Ladies, what do you believe? Come on, what do you believe? In these 
final few moments that we have remaining, I want you to think about what do you believe? What is the obstruction right now? Because if pain is no obstruction for God's love, if our bad choices are no obstruction for God's love, if the devil himself is not an obstruction for God's love, then the only limitation is our belief system. What do you believe about God? Right now, I want everyone just to stand to your feet. And before I go, just one last time. I want to ask you what you believe. And I cannot leave without allowing you to believe God, to take him at his word, allowing you to actually demonstrate this, to have Christ in your heart. You know, Romans 8 says that neither life nor death, angel or demon, nothing upon this earth, there's nothing beneath it. There is no height, there is no depth, there is no created thing. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ. And that love that is the key to unlocking the understanding in your heart can only come through Jesus Christ. There is a devil, he is real. He has an agenda, it is to rob, kill and bring destruction. But Jesus came to bring life in all its abundance. And I want you to step into that abundant life and the only way through it, the single point of difference between the agenda of the enemy and your abundant life is Christ. There is no other way. So right now, every head bowed and all eyes closed. And if Jesus is not number one, I want in just a moment on the count of three for you to raise your hand. Maybe you've known about him before, but you're not walking with him. Maybe you know what religion is. You know how to do all the right stuff and make it all look good on the outside. But if you're honest on the inside. You don't believe God. You haven't received his love and his love can only come from a personal relationship with Jesus. This is not about logic. This is about opening your heart to Christ. Other people here and you've just lived with so much stuff in your world for so long. You've tolerated so much and Jesus is saying enough is enough. All you need to do is open up your heart and every other obstruction will be removed by the power of my love. So if you're here and you know that you need to make Christ number one in your heart, just on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand nice and high. Every head bowed, all eyes closed. Sweetheart, I see you. Who else is there saying, that's me. I cannot leave this place. I cannot enter into my future without knowing that you love me, God, without having Christ's voice loudest in my heart. Come on, there are no obstructions except our free will, our ability to choose Christ in our heart. And there is a battle, I can feel it right now, a resistance in belief system. The devil does not get to win. Don't let him win. All you need to do is lift your hand and say, you know what, I choose God. Where are those women? You might be thinking, well, what can one choice do? Friends, I was alone and about to be attacked and it was a split second choice to call out to Christ that caused the intervention of heaven in my world. I gave my heart to the devil, but it was one word to Christ that completely obliterated 
his purpose from my life and set me on the pathway of God's best for who I am. One moment with Jesus changes everything. Come on, where are those ladies? Lift your hand nice and high, really nice and high. This is important. Sweetie, I see you. I saw that other hand. What we're going to do, I want you to pray this after me. Dear God, come on, let's pray this with some passion. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Jesus, flood my heart with light so that I can see and understand the incredible greatness of your power that is available to me because I believe you, Jesus. Jesus, I choose to listen to your voice. I renounce the devil. I'm not listening to you anymore, devil. Get out of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, that I am free. Thank you, Jesus, that no weapon formed against me will prosper. And Jesus, thank you that as I enter my day-to-day life, I'm going to believe you. And I will see your incredible power activated in my life, in my family, and my community. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a big shout of praise. What an incredible conference.